0: We're glad that you're here with us, and uh, there are a lot of good things going on this week, uh, this past week on... uh I don't know exactly what day, but there is a day this past week that Mary Andrews, which some of you might know, some of you may not, she comes first service, she turned 98 years old this week, and so that was exciting for the Andrews family to have them all, family and whatnot, come in, and, and again, I'll, I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again, if you ever wake up on a Sunday morning and you're like, oh man, I just don't feel like going to church, oh, I'm so tired, guess what, Mary Andrews, 98, comes every week, alright, okay, amen, that's right. She's, a, she's an encouragement to me, and I appreciate uh, her and her life and her example. And uh, we also had a men's prayer breakfast where there's about 18, 20 guys showed up yesterday morning to pray for you, the church, our country, individuals. Uh, there was a top of the peak for 50 and older that took place, a great time that happened then. And also this past Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon, we had a couple baptisms. And so I want to share with you those couple baptisms. This is Frank and Debbie Barton. Uh, they usually come first service. They're moving to Dickinson, North Dakota here re- in the near future. Uh, but So continue to lift them up in your prayers as they've made this decision to give their life over to Jesus. And here are their baptisms from Thursday afternoon. Crank up the sound. Amen. All right, so that was that was Debbie and then her husband Frank. joyous joyful afternoon celebrating as the angels rejoice in heaven i love the fact that frank is like yeah you know, it just kind of reminded me early on. Olympics are already almost over, and but early on, two weeks ago, where I think there was a uh, Australian swimmer and she won, and she, I don't know if she world record or not, but I think her coach had kind of longer hair, wearing green, and he was like standing on the the edge of the railing. He was shaking the railing. He was so excited, and I was saying, "That is exciting. This is this is eternal excitement. Stuff that's going to make a difference for eternity." And so I'm so excited for Frank and Debbie and their decision to give their life over to Jesus. I haven't mentioned this month, but our goal uh, as we're trying to reach the lost in 2021 is to see 21 baptisms. We've had 13 so far. Let's give God a round of applause for that. And so my hope is that we just keep it at the forefront of our mind, like, who do we need to reach out? Who Who's close in making this decision for Jesus? Who do I need to talk to? What neighbor do I need to reach out to and see if they need to, you know, get, get right with God? And so uh, just keep that in the forefront of your mind as we continue through the last months of 2021. And I'm so excited that you're here this morning. Uh, we're going to go through a, a message this morning called Disciples Job Description. And so I don't, I don't know if you've had that job description where you read down through the job description and at the very bottom of the job description there's this line that says something to the effect of and any other responsibilities deemed necessary, right? That that uh, gives the, the the boss the opportunity to say, hey, whatever else I need you to do, that's what you're going to do. And of course that kind of makes you nervous. Like, oh, I don't know exactly if I'm willing to jump into this because I don't know what it's going to look like for sure. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And so I, I kind of thought this idea about job job descriptions and help wanted ads. I looked up some interesting ones. These are kind of crazy, some of these. This first one really speaks to me because I'm really terrible at spelling, but it says editors wanted. Yeah, so we we need somebody else to look at our work at times to help us out when it comes to our spelling, editors wanted. Uh, The second one, please help. We need a graphic designer and this little stick figure guy, obviously they might need some help when it comes to that. This one's an interesting one piano player wanted must have knowledge of opening clams so you know if you're not playing the piano you're opening some clams maybe or this one I I don't know where this is coming from looking for someone to do yard work must have hula hoop right I mean everybody takes a hula hoop to do yard work right this one kind of scared me a little bit surgeon wanted for a new health clinic opening in the area no experience needed no experience needed for this surgeon. You're good to go. You know, must have your own tools though. And then this last one was kind of pretty straightforward. Wanted Part time sales who won't quit after two months, who works hard and doesn't think she's doing me a favor by working here, who can take a joke and won't cry every day on the floor, inquire within. Okay? So, I mean, they're they're pretty straightforward on what they wanted. And and some of these ads do a decent job of trying to get the idea of what kind of job you're going to have. But some jobs, you know, they just don't let you really know. Exactly what you should be doing or what might be required of you. And as we look at this passage this morning, I, I think the job description of the disciple really boils down to one thing. If it was all just brought down to one thing, it's this idea of follow Jesus. Okay, that's it. Just follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, of course, you're, you're going to be helping others follow him as well. And if he says, jump, you say, how high? Yeah, I mean, you do what he asks you to do. And one preacher said that the sad reality in Christianity today is that we have changed it from follow Jesus to accept Jesus, just believe in Jesus, maybe just even associate with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's good enough. Don't get too, too wild and crazy. And that's not what Jesus is calling these men to. He calls them To follow him. Before we get to the Mark passage, I want to read from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And this is a a verse we read at Frank and Debbie's baptism. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel that you just aren't as close to Jesus as you once were. It feels like maybe he's distant, and I wonder this morning if it might be because Jesus has said to you, follow me, and then Jesus said, hey, we're going to go over here, all right? And I might be even leaving you somewhere, oh, good, they're following me online, good, all right, okay? You, you might be, Jesus said, move over here, and what have you done? No, I'm, I'm, I want to stay where I'm at right here. And so, of course, you feel distant from Jesus, because Jesus is saying, follow me, and you're just staying stagnant in your relationship with him. And so I wonder this morning, are we really following the servant? Will you pray with me, God, this morning, we desire for you to speak boldly into our hearts and our minds through your word, that it would not come back void, that we would be open to its direction and its leading in our hearts that we would follow it with our lives, and God, may we take what you want to share with us and apply it, and it's in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you are willing and able this morning, will you turn to Mark chapter 3 in your Bibles, hopefully you have a digital or paper copy with you this morning, you can follow along on the screens as well. If you will stand with me this morning as we turn to Mark chapter 3, starting verse 7, going through verse 19. It says Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, and Demea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many so that those with his dis- so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. "'Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, "'You are the Son of God!' But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. "'Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. "'He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, "'and that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons.' These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. You may be seated. And so this morning as I look at this passage, I kind of see three C's that I kind of just, mm, not made up, but I kind of try to pull what's going on here. And if, if you notice right off the bat here in verse 7, who follows Jesus to the lake? Well, it was the crowd. Okay, So that's your first C this morning. It's this idea of the crowd. And, and we've been talking about this idea of the crowd even in chapters 1 and 2 leading up here into chapter 3, it says a large crowd from Galilee where, he was, where he's been follows him and also a large, large crowd from the entire region comes to see him. They've heard what's going on with him, what sort of things he's done and the places mentioned here in this passage kind of encompasses the entire region or the entire surrounding area. And so Jesus' astonishing authority and actions have awakened this great interest and all the people in this area, and they're looking to him as a miracle worker. They, they want healings. They want things to take place miraculously, and they've seen the healings. They've heard about the the, the demonic spirits being cast out, and we've, all, we've discussed this before, but the truth of the crowds that followed Jesus are that they were more concerned about what they could get from Jesus than what they could give. To Jesus. They weren't really willing to give up their wants or, or their desires. They didn't want to give up their schedules or their hobbies, their comforts for Jesus. And I wonder this morning does that sound familiar? I know it can in my life at times. They were just looking to see what they could get from Jesus. And the same I think is true today, even at times within the church. More people follow Jesus in order to benefit from his ministry than to contribute to his ministry and are you someone who is willing to deny themselves and and be willing to die if necessary to follow where Jesus is leading or are you just part of the crowd that wants to get close enough but not too close are you just part of the crowd that's trying to get as, as as close to Jesus to get something from him, but not really commit to him? And as you read in verse 9 and 10, you notice how worked up the crowd is. They're trying to get so close to Jesus that it's almost like he kind of gets this getaway boat ready, right? They're, they want to get so close to him, they want to reach out, They it's like the 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 videos that we see of, of mobs of people that are trying to get away from something and they just crowd and smash and trample and that's kind of this idea and so Jesus oftentimes would preach from from a boat where he could get away from the people a little bit they were interested only in the miracles that that Jesus was doing and they didn't really fully understand what Jesus was all about and the mission that he was on they they didn't know why, for sure, but they knew what they wanted to receive from him, and that was a physical healing. I think at times we, we don't want to admit, even in our own lives, that there's times where we'd rather just kind of be a part of the crowd. Where we're close enough to Jesus, we're in church service, but we kind of come in and go out. And we don't really want to involve ourselves or commit ourselves too much to Jesus, because then that would require that it's no longer me living, but it's Christ living through me see Jesus's mission was to proclaim the good news and overthrow the power of evil in people's lives to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and to push back the darkness that oftentimes people are so easily influenced and you see that here in Mark if you just turn back a page Mark chapter 1 we read through this before verse 14 and 15 where it says after John was put in prison Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus proclaimed the good news that the kingdom of God is near. That is, it is in the person of who Jesus Christ is. God is drawing people to himself. Offering an opportunity to have a a relationship with the creator of the universe. And that good news, man, it's for everyone. We've discussed this before. It's for everyone in this room. It's for everyone online. It's for everyone that might listen to this message later on. It's everyone that has this opportunity. In the kingdom of God, it says it's at hand. It's near. It's ready to go. It's, It's right here on this earth. And you're invited to be a part of it. And the question is, are you willing to, as Mark chapter 1 says, repent and believe that good news? Jesus demonstrated the second part of his mission when he cast out the demons. See, Jesus came to confront Satan and strip him of his power. He serves. Notice that God has shown up and that evil no longer has free reign in people's lives. Amen? That's right. God has the power to remove that in our lives. This is exactly what's taking place as you read here in these verses of verse 11 through 12 of these evil spirits, and and they see Jesus, and they fall down, they cry out that you are the Son of God, but he gave them strict orders to not tell them, to not tell who he was, and, and these evil spirits, they recognize him as the Son of God, but Again, Jesus silences them, and we've once again discussed this. And in the context of these verses, you're noticing that he's having a hard time preaching the message of the good news of the kingdom of God because of why? Well, because so many people are trying to just come and be healed. That's what they're concerned about. And it's it's kind of like when my when I tell my kids, hey, why don't you just, they ask me a question, well, think about that for a moment and let me know what you think. And in, as I say that very sentence, then another child's, interrupts and gives them the answer i'm like i wanted them to think about it for a second i almost think like jesus is like demons be quiet okay i'm trying to teach here all right i want i want these humans to kind of figure this out on their own i want them to come to this realization that i'm the son of god and don't give them the answer ahead of time okay and so we have these demons recognizing who jesus is but the people are not and so Jesus has this mission that he's trying to accomplish, and the crowds, they just aren't quite getting it. And some of you this morning, maybe, you're still not quite getting it. You don't want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, because once again, that would mean that you don't get to make the decisions anymore. You have to let Jesus make the decisions in your life, like What do I want to do this Friday? Or what am I going to do with this money that I just came into? Or what am I going to do with my family and how I'm going to raise them? And and I want to make those decisions, right? But the reality is if I say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, then it's no longer me that lives, but it's you, Christ, who lives through me. And so there's a lot of people that resist that because we want to do our own thing. And Jesus is pleading with you today. He's saying, I have come to free you. I've come to free you from the bondage and the forces and the evil in this world and in your life. He's saying, will you finally receive the grace and forgiveness that Jesus is offering you? Because part of the job description for a true disciple is really to surrender your life to Jesus. That's really where it starts. So you have the crowd, who is there for the free handout. Which I know for me, a lot of times I'm there for the free handout, whatever it might be. But there are those who are really willing to follow Jesus, and and my hope is that that's us this morning. People that are will really willing to deny themselves, to take up their crosses, meaning willing to die, not only just spiritually die to our old selves, but also If we face physical death, to die to our old selves, to take up our crosses. But what else does this this passage say that is required of a true disciple of Jesus? If you, verse 13, moves on from the crowd... And it focuses in on the crew of Jesus. And the word crew is not here. That's kind of a, a slang, you know. That's the hip term that I just made up, you know, right? Okay, this is the crew because it starts with a C, so you can remember it. We got the crowd, but now we have the crew of Jesus taking place, forming. If you read at verse 13, it says, When Jesus went up on a mountainside, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And it's interesting, the the words used here didn't say those that he needed. You know, Jesus didn't need, but he wants. He wants us to be a part of the kingdom work. You know, could he use multiple other ways to spread the good news? Well, for sure he could. But he chooses us. He wants us to be a part of the kingdom work moving forward. And as you read on, verse 14 says, He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with Him, and that He might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. And then He lists the 12 that He calls and appoints as apostles. And so you think about this crew idea. You embrace the good news of Jesus, you make that part of who you are as a person, but what do you do next? What what does this passage say? And I think if you read here, you notice some things taking place. First, back to verse 13. Jesus goes off to kind of a solitary place up on a mountainside. He gets away from the crowd, doesn't he? And he does that, I believe, because he he doesn't want the fame or, or for people to get the wrong idea about what he's all about, what his mission is. And then verse 14 Mark takes us to a very significant event, the appointing of the 12 apostles, or as Mark says, the 12. And why 12? Well, most likely it had to do with this representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he calls these 12 to follow him. And look what it specifically says there. It says that they might be with him. That they might be with him. Jesus knew that his time... That he would have to go to the cross at some point. And he knew that the kingdom work needed to continue on through those who were willing to follow him. And so Jesus calls his followers to be with him, to be in his presence, to enjoy his presence. And the joy that comes from that and the privilege that it is to come into the presence of God, it's a gift from Jesus. It's a joyful thing, amen? To be able to come into the presence of God through Jesus Christ, to be in the presence of Jesus is about being in a relationship with the creator. There can be no following without a relationship. And it, it just kind of reminded me of oftentimes when I go shopping with my wife, Autumn, and uh, a lot of what takes place is she does shopping and I do following, right, She's pushing the cart, and she's heading in the direction that she wants to go in, and and I'm just kind of following along. That's like our date night, right? We get away from the kids, and we go to Walmart, right? Okay, and so I'm following, and there's times where she says to me, she's like, are you okay with going shopping with me, just following? And I'm like, I am good to go. And do you know why I'm good to go? It's because I love my wife. I just like to be in her presence. I like to hang out with her. I like the funny things that she says, and the fact that she tells me this morning that she dreamt about being in the Olympics and that she was a part of the steeplechase, and she took fourth, and she was so mad because she missed out on third place, you know? And I just, I just love my interactions with my wife, and, and so I have this relationship that it doesn't matter if we're just at the store and I'm just following where she's going because I enjoy that time, and that's, that's what it means to, in our relationship with Jesus. Just to be in that relationship, to be a follower of Jesus means just being in his presence. To have that relationship with him and, and for the disciples, those at this time, in this context, it meant to literally walk around with Jesus. And for us, uh, I don't know which one would be better. I mean, I think it would be sweet to be in, in physically in the presence of Jesus, but the awesome part, because of what he did for us on the cross, We get to come into the presence of God, our Creator, in the presence of Jesus. We get to have the Holy Spirit dwell within us, and we get to do that in worship of Him, which is a lifestyle. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship or service. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, worship isn't about just singing some songs on a Sunday morning or in your car or wherever that might take place, but it's really about immersing ourselves in the presence of our God. And that's why we spend time with him daily in prayer, not just reading from God's word about him, but being transformed by the word and by, be, by him being transformed by that relationship that we have. And someone once said, our problem with following Jesus is we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of him. See, following Jesus is not about being a better you because you have died to your old self. It's about being more like him. In fact, in John 3, verse 30 says, He must increase and you must decrease. When Jesus calls, he's calling you to leave things behind, to leave your old self and embrace your new self. When Jesus calls you, he's calling you into a life of transformation that begins to kind of chisel away At the hard, selfish, lustful, prideful, lazy, greedy, whatever you want to fill in there. Parts of your old self in order to reveal his spirit in you. But Jesus hasn't merely called his followers to enjoy his presence. There is a purpose to being in his presence. Enjoying his His presence empowers us for something. And his presence empowers us. To extend his ministry. In addition to being with him, Jesus called his followers to do something. Do you notice it? It says he called them to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Sound familiar? Maybe back in chapter 1 of Mark? It it should because that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. Jesus called these people to be with him so that after being in his presence... They could go out and preach, or another word for preach is proclaim, because I'm not letting you off the hook. You're like, who preach. I'm not a preacher. I'm not signed up. No, it, it means to proclaim or to tell someone about something. Like when you see an ad on Facebook for something that's free, you're like, hey, you need to go because there's some free hot dogs taking place. I appreciate that when someone tells me that, okay? All right? It's being proclaimed, and it's like proclaim what? Well, it's being proclaimed the good news. You each have a responsibility to share that. And it says to cast out demons. He has called them to carry out his ministry of proclaiming the good news and to push back the darkness. And we see that taking place for them in chapter 6 of Mark and also after the resurrection. You see, the mission of Jesus would soon be their mission as well. And it should be our mission. As well. Jesus calls his followers to extend his ministry, to proclaim the good news and free people from the evil of the, the influence of evil in their lives. And Jesus intended his ministry to be extended, and he intended for his disciples to do the extending. And John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Very truly I tell you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You see again, Jesus knew that when he went to the Father, the Holy Spirit was going to come and empower us to do even greater things, which I can that blows my mind to even begin to think about, but Jesus is the one that said that, greater things than the things that he had even been doing. Because he's going to the Father and then we receive the Holy Spirit when he went up to the Father. When Jesus calls you, he's calling you to a purpose that involves his kingdom and it has eternal ramifications. It's going to make an impact in the lives of you and the people you're around for eternity. He's calling you into a spiritual war that you cannot fight in your own strength. You, you can't fight it in your own strength and win. You, you must fight in his power, in his strength, and in his way. And when you do that, you're going to have victory in this life. But it has to be done his way. And this is the essential calling of every single one of us. In our lives, Jesus commissioned his followers to make more followers. And we read that at the last part of Matthew chapter 28. You can turn back just a page and you should be in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus commissioned every single one of us to play a role, to have a part in making disciples and getting to them, them to a point where they go all in with Jesus and are immersed into Christ. And then we continue to teach them. So Jesus calls his followers to extend his ministry, to proclaim the good news and help free people from evil influence. If only we knew of someone that might need that good news, right? I mean, we live our lives and it just seems like everybody knows everything. But the reality is, is that, guess what? Jesus has put us right in the middle of a world that desperately needs what Jesus has to offer, who desperately needs the good news of Jesus. And so I would encourage you to to start in your homes. What about you? What what about your spouse? Are you discipling your spouse? Are you discipling your children? Are you discipling any of your family members, parents, siblings? What about your friends? Are, Are you sharing the truth that you are called to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God that is at hand, that all it requires is repentance and belief, and to continue to moving forward in what Scripture speaks about when it comes to confessing Him as our Lord and Savior, and to be obedient to Scripture when it comes to being immersed into Christ and continuing to walk in the Spirit. As we share that, are we sharing it with our neighbors? Are we sharing it with our co-workers? You see, God places us in the midst of people who need freedom from spiritual oppression and evil in their lives. And these are the needs Jesus sends his followers to meet. See, God wants to extend his ministry through you to these people. Now I realize that extending Jesus' good news will require some Stretching on our part for sure. We're gonna have to leave our comfort zones as Justin was talking about or Tommy was talking about and and thinking about this this idea of you know actually building relationships with people, like getting to know someone for who they are. We're gonna have to become better at sharing the good news with people and we have to stop making it harder than it really is. You see, sharing the good news of Jesus is all about taking what Jesus has done in your life. And then just sharing that with someone. It, it, it doesn't have to be any harder than that. You don't have to come up with your own lesson plans. You don't have to come, figure out how you're going to you know, come up with some new ideas on how best to share the, the good news. No, it's just taking everything that you've received and then sharing it with someone else. It's kind of like if, if, if you've ever been golfing, you know, and me personally, I, I've, I've golfed like maybe 10 times in my life. And so I'm not, I don't know a ton, I don't, I'm not real great, but do you think that I could probably tell someone who has never been golfing a day in their life, I could probably give them some sort of insight on how to play golf. I've been ten times, they've never been one time. Do You think I probably have some influence on how to share the, the game of golf with them? Of course I could. I could say, this end is the club end of the club. And this end is the handle. You hold it like this, and you take this little white ball, and you put it on a tee, and you put it in the ground, and then if you hit it like me, it won't go past the women's tee box, but you do your best, okay? You see, the same is true when it comes to Jesus. I guarantee you've been in services, a Bible study, you've read something online, you've heard a a podcast, you've read a blog. More than 10 times, I guarantee you, you could take what you know And share it with someone who knows very little about Jesus. We have to stop making it harder than it really is. And I honestly think that this body of believers, as I'm seeing God create growth and move amongst you, that this body of believers does have a desire to see the church grow in the Casper area and around the world. I truly believe that. I see that taking place through this body. But in order for that to continue to take place, we're going to have to up our commitment level. I mean, that's just the reality of it. We can't stay on the surface of things, going back to thinking about the Olympians, you know, and how they up their commitment level on so many different areas of their lives. There's got to be a real strong commitment when it comes to our relationship with God. And so there's the crowd that's looking to get something. There's the crew that has been called to not only spend time in the presence of God, but to proclaim the good news and to push back the darkness. But there's got to be a commitment with the crew and that's what I want to close with this morning I I would like to take a quick survey this morning By a raising of hands, how many of you would love for God to grow this church? It's not a trick question. Raise your hand. If you would like for God to grow this church, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you would love for more people to hear the gospel and more people become Christians at this church? Raise your hand. I think we'd all agree to that. Okay. How many of you would like to see more disciples who make more disciples at this church? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. And how many of you would love all of that to happen without it messing up your schedule or preferences at the church altogether? Raise your hand. Okay, yes, good. Some honest people out there, yes, okay. Uh, and it kind of makes you nervous, doesn't it? Like, oh, man, I, I don't want to be the one that has to do that. That's, someone else is way better at that than me, you know. I'm just shy, you know. I, I don't know what to say. And it's very difficult at times. We, we kind of allow for those, those negative thoughts and, and Satan to kind of creep in there. And the truth is, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, amen? That's, I mean, you don't have to worry. It's not up to you to save those people. It's up to you to share the truth of God's word of what has happened in your life. To plant seeds into water and it's God's job to cause it to grow. And so the truth of the matter is that for many of us, we want to see the Lord do some amazing things. As long as it doesn't infringe upon us, right? And if we're really going to see God grow this congregation, then we must embrace and extend God's good news to the people he has surrounded us with. And we're going to have to, to really level up, you know, our commitment. It just reminds me of video games. Like, you know, we're leveling up. we got to up our commitment, right? And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking just to you, but I'm, I'm talking to myself as well. And when I did youth ministry, I had the youth group set goals every fall. And one of the questions I would ask is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to help the youth group grow this year? And not every kid would say yes, but a lot of kids would. And through the Holy Spirit's leading and direction and power, the youth group did grow. And then I would also ask the question, how will you begin to help the youth group grow? What? Well, what? Where will you fit in how will you begin to help and so I want to point blank ask you each this morning are you willing to commit yourself to God so radically that you're willing to do whatever it takes to help this body of believers grow because there is a job to do and God wants you to embrace and extend his ministry of proclaiming the good news of God and helping free people from the bondage of evil and he puts us in the, the right places. He puts us in the exact places that he wants us to be involved in. And the question is, will you do your job and follow Jesus? So I want to close with a, a quick video. It's by Francis Chang. And he does a great job of challenging us in this area, being truly committed to the lifestyle of following Jesus. And this comes from a, a basic curriculum called Follow Jesus And uh, I really think it's a challenging clip. So here's Francis Chang.
1: When we were kids, this was a lot easier. Remember when we were kids and we played that game, follow the leader? It's pretty easy, right? The leader pats his head, you pat your head. The leader pats his knee, you pat your knee. The leader flaps his wings. You just kind of follow and do whatever he does. It's weird though, in the church we've done this weird thing where we go, well, the rules to follow Jesus are different than follow the leader. See, in follow Jesus, we don't actually have to do what he does, we just do it in our heart. It doesn't really make any sense. I mean, imagine a kid on a lounge chair playing follow the leader and going, yeah, I'm flapping my wings in my heart. <laughs> you know, It just doesn't, why does that work in church and not anywhere else? Look, when, when, when my daughter comes to me, And I say, Hey, go, go clean your room. She knows better. She's not going to come back a couple hours later and say, Hey, Dad, I memorized what you said to me. He said, go clean your room. You know, what am I going to say? Oh, good job. That's what I wanted. No. And and she's not going to come to me and say, Dad, I can say, go clean your room in Greek. Listen, (laughs) that's not going to fly. And what if she says, you know what? My friends and I, we're gonna gather together and every week we're gonna have a study and we're gonna figure out what it would look like if I cleaned my room. (laughs) No, none of that's gonna fly. Just go and clean it. She knows that. So why do we think that this type of thinking or this type of talk is gonna work with Jesus? I mean, Jesus was as black and white as you get. He would look at people and he'd say, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? He says that in Luke six forty six. why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I ask you to do? I mean, why would you call someone your master and then not listen to him? And, and he says in Matthew 7, 21, he goes, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's only the one who actually does the will of my Father who is in heaven.
0: Why would you call Jesus your Lord? And then not do what He asks you to do. I'm asking myself the same question. Are we really following the job description laid out in Scripture that says that to be in His presence in order that we would be empowered to proclaim the good news and to push back the evil of this dark world? Or maybe you've never even made Jesus your Lord at all? That you've been holding back, that you've been waiting. Because again, that would require for you to not get to do the things that you want to do. So you're going to wait till it's the right time. Well, if you're always going to be waiting for the right time, that time probably is not going to come unless you're willing to lay yourself before the throne of God. Say, it's no longer me, God, that's going to live, but it's going to be you, God, living through me. And that's my prayer for you this morning. If you have a decision to make, if you need to be immersed in a Christ for the very first time, we'd invite you to come as we sing our song of invitation. Will you please stand with me this morning?